0: The Holy Spirit we have a job to do
1: when we talk about going to the ends of the earth we're talking about shoebox gifts that are taking the gospel to the hardest to reach areas of the world if you want to bring hope to a broken society it's the gospel an operation Christmas child is not about passing out toys it's about the gospel each kid when they receive that box they're going to hear the presentation of the gospel clearly they make a decision for Christ, and then they're trained and equipped to go out and share their faith with others. And many times in areas where it's an unreached people group, the Bible tells us the time is now. We're in the South Pacific. I want to reach these islands for Christ. These are the poor areas. People don't have any hope. People don't come here. There's no tourists here. But well, we're going to be here. I'm right outside of Mazlan, Mexico, about six-hour drive up in the mountains with Operation Christmas Child. This is where people that are brave are taking Operation Christmas Child to the ends of the earth. We need boxes that are packed by families, by churches and groups, but we also need boxes that are packed online. When you build a shoebox online, these are the boxes that give us access into hard-to-reach places of the world.
0: We go at great lengths, great effort. To take these boxes to children
1: in the most remote parts of the world. It's an incredible journey. You know, the mission of Operation Christmas Child never changes. Children are coming to Jesus. Children are coming to faith. Children are being discipled. And children are taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. All right, good morning, church, family. How's everybody doing this morning? Wonderful, wonderful, good, good, good. All of you are enjoying that extra hour of sleep? Yeah, I was too, and so my kids woke up a whole extra hour early. And my poor wife had to get up with them, so thank you to my wife. Anyways, I'm Pastor Tim. I'm the youth pastor here. I just want to say thank you for joining us on this wonderful Sunday morning. If you're a first-time guest with us, like, we are so honored that you've joined to spend your time with us this morning. And if you are, we'd love to get to know who you are. So there's a first-time guest card in the back of the pew in front of you, like it should be right in front of your face. If you would be so kind as to fill that out for us, you can drop it off at the... Uh, welcome center in the lobby or if you prefer you can drop it off during our tithe and offering time in the in the big buckets you won't miss them and if you're joining us on live stream thank you so much if you're a first-time live streamer let us know we want to know that you're here as well we'd love to pray for you and just be an encouragement to you today all right I got a couple of announcements we'll get through them quickly first one is this home groups who enjoys home groups here let me see yes 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 I enjoy home groups as well fellowship is fun home groups are next week and word on the street is many of you are going to have a turkey there so you hopefully it'll be your first thanksgiving-esque dinner will be with your church home group that's what i'm hoping for you uh thanksgiving is my favorite holiday every year because of the food i just love it i hope you love it as well also also marriage class will be happening next week at 9 a.m in the loft so we hope that you will join that if you're married want to be married you know it, it's good for you you need to work on your marriage it'll help you all right as we get into worship I was thinking this morning I really want to give the most random call to worship ever like I just want you to be kind of like wow he pulled that off that's amazing so here we go I want everybody to think about your big toe I told you I'm going for weird this morning think about your big toe go ahead and just wiggle it around in your shoe a little bit make sure that you know it's there Because here's what I know about the big toe and I'm not a doctor I read this That if you lost your big toe, you have to relearn how to walk. Because it's the the one thing on your foot that helps you balance. And I, I heard one time, if you lose your big toe, you have to relearn how to walk. And I thought, big toes are really important. And I know most people think their big toe's weird. But it's a valuable part of your body. The Bible tells us that we're all members of one body. So I've got really good news for you. One of you is our big toe. And without you, we'd all have to relearn how to walk. I just I, So here's what we should do. We need to show our big toe some love this morning. So I need you to walk around and find the person that you believe brings the most balance, I'm kidding, don't do that. Just say hi to somebody. We're all part of one body. If you would just stand to your feet, say hi to somebody because everyone here is valuable and matters to us and to God's kingdom, and we want to show some love to everyone that's a part of the body. Just take a moment and do that. If you're watching on live stream, say hi. Let us know you're here. We'd love to know you're here and be able to say hi back to you as well. I love it. I love it. Morning. Doesn't that feel good to just go say hi to somebody and let them know you love them? Good. Now we want to let Jesus know that we love him. So I'm going to pray us into worship this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you have called us your own. Your word teaches us that we are your special possession. We're your special possession. That's so good to hear that, to know that that's how you view us, that's how much you love us. You've called us into your family. And Father, we want to love each other, but we want to love you. So this morning as we come to worship and to praise your name, we pray that you would just receive all of our love to you this morning, Father. We thank you for Jesus, your son, who died to set us free so that we could find new life with you. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is present with us. And we thank you that you inhabit the praise of your people. So be very near us this morning, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
2: Will turn into praise. I'll shake off despair as I sing out Your name. A victory dance, I will dance out in faith. I will crush
3: disappointment and break every chain. All of my fear, I will turn into praise. Shake off despair.
2: bones and he said they look dead God told me to prophesy and God told me to speak over those bones to live and they'll live you know what if for a moment he didn't use his faith what if he doubted for a moment because today I'm not choosing doubt today I'm choosing faith and I'm choosing faith that no matter the dead situation in your life in my life that today I'm gonna speak faith and I'm going to prophesy to the bones to come together, to begin to move. It's time. It's time for those bones to move. It's time for those bones to rise up and live this morning. We're not singing this part just for fun. We're singing it to use our faith. So I encourage you, use your faith with us this morning. Declare it this morning. We see drop
3: boats. Oh, but oh, but we, we see it on me. Horizon. Oh. Oh. We see drop boats. Oh. We see. Go away
2: Lord is present. I encourage you, lift your hands this morning and worship him. Give him your very best this morning. Give him the praise that's due to him this morning. We're not in a hurry. We're not in a rush. We're here to worship the King of Kings.
4: you can look at your circumstance and see what the world and the devil would declare to you or you can speak what i have put in your mouth speak to your situation and prophesy that which is dead to now come to life for i am the giver of life not death the world has come to sell you something fake but i have come to give you life and it is real
5: hear my voice as you as I have seen the father so I did as you have seen me so you do you can hear my voice you are sheep you're not meant to carry weight you are meant to hear the shepherds voice and I am the good shepherd I provide for my sheep forget not all my benefits. I rebuke to devour. I protect you. I tell you where to go, where to stay. I hide you under the shadow of my wings. I am the faithful shepherd. Trust me. Hear, hear. Have ears to hear. I am the faithful one. I am the faithful.
4: your financial tomorrow you're accepting the false evidence that appears real in your mind it appears real in your checkbook it appears real a real in your food cabinet I say your house will be full I say I am the great and mighty shepherd and I shall provide the sheep doesn't wander into a pasture where there's dirt and there is no green grass to eat, for that wouldn't be a good shepherd right he would lead us into a pasture that had enough provision until you were full get a hold of your mind for the world's way is not the way we live we live by a different standard we live by his words and his words are the truth not the enemy as Randy says to me all the time he says Nicole if the devil is talking he's lying if his lips are moving he's lying He comes to attack what you know in your mind, what you've heard from the word. And he comes to distort it just like Eve in the garden. The very thing that the snake, the devil, came to her to do was to disclaim what God had told her. You have the truth. Believe what the word of the Lord would say above my offering Timothy 6 17 and 18 I want to read this to you today my mom and I were talking yesterday and we drove by a place in Lima where the 1.9 billion dollar lottery was and I don't remember if she said maybe we should buy a ticket okay just checking just checking I said you know what I would buy a ticket. If the Lord gave me the numbers, it wouldn't be gambling. And I just started thinking about it, right? But it's been on my mind because, you know, not, not, not about God giving me the numbers. I don't know that I'm going to play that. But here's, here's what I read this morning, and this is what I woke up to. You ready? Commit- this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, writing to young Timothy. This was mom riding with young Nicole. Command those who are rich in this present world. Rich, meaning those who have more than enough. That doesn't mean millions in the bank. If you had enough to drive to church today and you weren't counting pennies to get here, which some of us might have, some of us may not, then you have more than enough. There's an abundance. So you are rich according to the word standard in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope or trust in wealth or the lottery, which is so uncertain, but to put their trust in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Did you hear that for my enjoyment? That means all those TJ Maxx little trips, God got provided. I do like TJ Maxx, my mom gave me that too. Command them to do good and to to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Hmm. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. 1.9 million, the odds of winning the lottery are one in 176 million. Oh, but that's okay, don't worry. You have a better chance of being killed by a vending machine. Take heart, take heart, it's not that bad, right? No joke, one in 112 million chances to be killed by a vending machine. Now I don't understand that, I'm just seeing my arm stuck and i can't get out and i try to pull it out and it's like the chinese finger and you can't get it out and then all the stuff starts spitting out on top of me maybe cans of coke and they hit me in the head i get a concussion and i'm laying in the rest stop vending machine for days because i can't get up i don't know i don't know how that would look but one in 112 million how about all you lefties out there one in 4.4 million chances of being killed from being left-handed and using a right-handed product. I'm not making these up, folks. This is out there. Now, maybe Google made it up. There's always, of course, a one in a million chance of getting struck by lightning, which I know people that have been struck by lightning. Your chances are far greater with those things. But let's talk about the word chance. Because chance means you might. Chance means it could. But that's not the God that we serve. The God that we serve is a God of absolute. If he said it, he meant it. If he means it, he said it. And if he said it and means it, he's going to do it. So we don't need to play the lottery, although I'm sure there's somebody out there that bought a ticket. Maybe you went in on your local work and you did it, and I understand it's not an addiction and you're not addicted. I get that. I get that. You need to be sure that you tithe if you do win the one point million dollars. I'm just letting you know. This is the tithe and offering. Yeah, this is the tithe and offering. But I want to remind you that we don't have to put our trust in the lottery. We don't have to put our trust in what could be. But we put our trust in what sure is. And that is God. And when you and I give, when we tithe, maybe you're tithing today and that's all you can do and that's fine. But there's some of you that are saying I'm giving above and beyond my tithe today or I'm sowing a special seed because I'm believing God to do something great in my family's life or in this family's life or at my work, I'm believing for a salvation. So I am sowing a seed. I'm showing God that my heart is right in this place. And God, anything you need, you have of me. Just ask. I'm ready. If that's you today, you're not taking a chance. You've got a guarantee. The gospel's not the lottery. Although you might feel like you just won the lottery. It's real. And it's absolute. And it's God-given to you and I as this is the way. Let's pray over our tithe and offering today. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we've come together as a church. Father, and that it's giving for us. And Father, we count it in honor to give to your purpose and to your plan. And Father, today, God, with the world pushing in and trying to tell us the way we should think about money, God, we don't take a chance with you. We know exactly what we're getting because that which the word says is true. We believe it. And if you said it, we can count on it. And God, we know that if we tithe, you will open the windows of heaven. We know that if we give, you will give it back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Father, we know that if we sow, that you will be the rewarder of what we sow, Father. That you are the God of the harvest. Sixteen. We believe it and we receive it we declare what your word says about our finances and we will not bow to the earth's system of our money but lord we acknowledge the kingdom's way and your system in jesus name we pray amen and amen
0: Hallelujah, praise the Lord. God is a good God. You know, today, during the prophecies, I noticed something, that the Lord was encouraging us to hear, to speak, and just have faith, trust in Jesus. You know, uh, Job declared and said, I will declare the decree that God hath decreed of me. We are in a time frame that our words are very important, life and death. The Bible says this in John, the 12th chapter, verse 31, I believe, it says that now is the time that the judgments of God will come to pass. And now is the time that the prince of this world shall be cast out. Now there are two realities that happens at the cross. One is that the judgments of God are given. And it says now is the judgment of this world. One translation says now are the judgments that I have proclaimed for this world? Anybody know what a judgment is? A decree by an authority that is higher than any other that are represented. And then we know that the devil is going to be taken out of the place of dominion and rule, and that's true in the new birth. You and I are translated out of the kingdom of darkness. But what do these judgments have to do? This is not my message, so don't get excited that it's going to be short. But what I want you to realize is that God has given you a decree. It's not something that you have conjured up, not something you have dreamed up. You have a record of it. And let's just say that you were having a hard time about finances. If I wanted to know what the judge had decreed about me, because I could go back and look, everything in a court is recorded. And so you could go back to the court and say, what's been said of me? Right here is the record of the judgments that God has decreed towards those that are born again. Now, he has taken the devil out of place, but you have to decree the judgment. And so, what would my judgment be if I was lacking in the area of finances. My decree would be what the authority of the universe said, because Jesus said all power was given unto him. And I would say this, my God meets all my needs according to his riches in glory. When did God say that? He said it before the foundations of the earth. That's a decree. That's a judgment that has been released in this world upon every born-again Christian. The judgment has already been said. Now you have to take a stand for your rights. So now it's time for you to stand up and be like Job and decree what God had decreed about you. Now, I understand finances. I understand zeros. I lived lots of my life on zeros. But when I got born again, God gave me a decree about any financial place that I would end up. And my decree to that need is my God meets all my needs according to his riches in glory. Anything that the enemy brings towards you, decree what God has said about you. What did Jesus say about himself? He said, you know what? They're going to take me, they're going to deliver me up, And they're going to kill me but know this God hath said in three days I will be raised up and I will be alive now he decreed that before he ever died but that was his answer to the devil provoking him by temptation I can hear him saying you're going to die but stupid, ain't nobody ever raised from the dead by themselves. What well, Jesus said, I'm going to. And when I come out of there, I'm having the keys of death and the keys of hell. That was the decree. Amen? So make a decree. Find out what God said about you in the court of justice before the foundations ever were, you decree what the, devil, what the devil has been removed from and what God has given you the right to have. Amen? All right, praise God. Okay, hallelujah. That leads me to this great subject, money. <clears throat> we're going to talk about money for this month. This is Thanksgiving. You're right, hallelujah. This is Thanksgiving month. And at the end of the month, we're going to receive an offering. I like to call it the Thanksgiving offering. And what it, do, what it does is simply, you have to weigh out how thankful you are. And a lot of you, I, I, I love you, but I just know human nature, you won't. And uh, you'll give $5, $2, $1, going once, going twice, 50 cents. Uh, you're going to do something. But is it really from your heart? And does it really express your thanksgiving to God for what He has done? What He has done. So uh, we're going to talk about money. And I'm going to talk about it in a way that will be weird to you, but it's still going to help you. Praise God. Let's turn our Bibles to, yeah, that's where we ought to go. Exodus 25 and verse 1 and 2. We're going to talk about money. You're probably thinking, uh, well, you're going to talk about giving and all that. Someday, yes but not today. <clears throat> Exodus 25, 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering of every man <clears throat> that giveth it willingly with his heart ye shall take my offering. Now, I know that we say, oh, God doesn't need anything. didn't say he needed anything. He said he wanted an offering. You mean God wanted an offering? Well, I don't know unless Moses misquoted it. I, I don't know what that says. God wanted an offering. God is setting a precedent In the nation of Israel that precedent we will find is still upon the people in the children of God today what this is is the offering of generosity generosity you know we are to be generous towards God and God said I want you to take from them an offering in other words God says I just want to see what position I hold in their life it's nothing new God proved Abraham and he's proving Israel we prove him through the tithe and the offering we prove him every time we respond to a promise we are proving God and the word generosity simply means an act of being kind, a person giving something unexpected. Unexpected. So God gives them the opportunity to give him something that only they can measure. Pretty cool. And then generosity is an expression of one's value. And priority system, in other words, if you are generous towards God, number one, it must be out of a willing heart. Number two, it must be your free will. that's why there's no uh, denominations of or percentages put on a generosity or a generous gift. And in this generosity, there is a voice. And that voice is, you are a priority. You are valuable. That's what generosity does. If you're generous toward your wife, then she should understand that, you know what? I'm valuable to my husband. I don't require fellows to cook, to uh, sweep or to clean. I'd do any of that. But I would like to see a chunk of change come my way every once in a while. Well, don't you want hugs and kisses? I'm 72 years old. No. Show me the money. <laughs> Be generous. Hallelujah. So, generosity is something that you and I need in our life. It is a byproduct of a heart that has been touched by God and a will that is open to do what God desires for every man to do. God desires for us to be generous. It reveals our identity. Do you know that? Generosity. Well, well, can't we do it some other way? Well, we probably could, but God has chosen generosity in order to reveal to the world who we belong to. Why? Because generosity is the nature of God. God didn't say, I came to give you life. He said, I came to give it to you more abundantly. And he did it willfully out of his heart for mankind. Now, that's what God's grace to us did. God showed Himself kind to a rebellious human race. Now, so let's go to uh, John sixteen thirty-four and no way. Let's go to Matthew five sixteen. Matthew five sixteen. Remember, I told you that generosity is an identifying factor of the people of God. If we are not generous, if we are not prone to do things or gifts or acts of kindness, we are not identified with God. It's one of the fruits of the spirit of sonship you know you've heard of the fruits of the spirit a lot of people say well that's the fruit of the Holy Ghost no it's not Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits those are the fruits of the recreated human spirit and they are put inside of us when we get born again in seed form after they are put in us you and I now are responsible for for their development. And that's what lets the light so shine. And so they're not the fruits of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has nine gifts. The born-again believer has nine fruits, both proving and verifying that Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. All right, Matthew, the fifth chapter and verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good, what? what? Good works. You should be doing generous or kind acts in the world. Oh, well, you don't have to work out your own salvation, said the man that didn't read verse 16. It says that they may see. Something must be tangible in order for the world to see. And then it says that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in where? Heaven. And then, if you went on down, you would see in verse 48, be ye therefore perfect even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. So when we do good works or generous deeds, when we do them, the world recognizes that's not normal. In fact, the Bible says that when people see your good works, it will shut their mouth of complaining and accusing and saying wicked things about you. Well, they talk about me all the time. When was the last time you did anything nice? Now, I know you've told them how bad you pastor is, how bad your church is, how bad you disagree even with God, and that when you get to heaven, you're going to give a, be a head of the complaint department, and you're going to talk to Jesus every day and tell him what he did wrong. That's all they hear from you. So what are they supposed to believe who you are connected with? Because they don't believe what we do is God. We have to start being generous. And these generous acts should be acts of kindness. Some of you well I think we're probably all too young to remember the great depression. Anybody ever go through the great depression? I mean, I've had it, but Phyllis read it. No. Do you know who started the bread lines in America in the Great Depression? Well, the government. The government had nothing to do with it. It was a man named Rockefeller. Rockefeller. Now, you can complain about him being rich, but... He started food lines. He did acts of kindness. In his day, his mother taught him as a Baptist, taught him to be a tither. And then she expected him to witness to everybody he met. So he gave away a dime every time he witnesses somebody. In his lifetime, he gave Away 30,000 dimes. That's how many people we witnessed to. And the Rockefeller Corporation in America today is still one of the great contributors to charitable organizations in the world. He's not just rich. He was about the Father's business. And we as Christians are to be kind and do things for other people as Jesus placed it. Don't do something good like have a meal and invite those that you know you're going to get patted on the back for. No, give them something to eat and do it behind closed doors so your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing now we are to be generous kind i know that sometimes it's hard to be kind in a world filled with hate but you are bigger than the world and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world amen Hallelujah. So, they are to do acts of kindness. Generosity is something and one of the greater elements that destroys the love of money. If you are wealthy, let's say this. If you have a dollar, let's say this. If you've got fifty cents, you are called to generosity, to destroy the power of the love of money, to keep you from falling into the snares that come with wealth. Well, I give to my church. I didn't. I never asked you for an offering. Nikki did. I, 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 generosity has nothing to do with just your church. It has to do with you doing something outside that they may see your good works and say, that guy's got to be a Christian because that's what Jesus would do. Jesus did acts of kindness. Asked Jairus. Jesus did acts of kindness. When Peter was generous enough to let him use his boat, Jesus was generous back towards him with two boats sinking. Now, it destroys the love of money and puts us in a place where the world sees our love one for another. See, if you love money and the Holy Ghost, or you have not developed the fruits of the born-again spirit, recreated spirit, or the spirit of sonship that cries, Abba, Father, has not been allowed to take its rightful place, you won't be kind, you'll be greedy. And when you get to heaven, if, and you come up out of that body, and Paul said, I brought nothing into the world, I brought nothing, and I'm taking nothing out of the world. In other words, I came in buck naked, and I'm going out buck naked. When you look down at your old shabby self, you'll say, man, I should have done something. I don't even have a crown. There are more important things than money in a bank account. How about a saved son, a saved daughter? How about a faithful spouse? How about love in your house? Those things are important. And if, if you go to John thirteen thirty four thirty five. 35, Jesus says this, I write unto you a new commandment. And this is the new commandment, that you love one another. And that by you loving one another, you will show the world that you are my disciples. Glad you could join us, Rick. Take a seat right there. His wife beats him here an hour before time. I'm kidding, and uh, so let's just say now, Rick. You know I'm I'm just trying to embarrass you, right? Okay, all right, all right. So, <laughs> so uh, Jesus said, "If you love one another, what does love in the church?" And among ourselves, demand. What? Generosity. Generosity. Absolutely. It's defined. If you see your brother have a need, and if you close up your bowels of love and don't meet that need, then it's a good sign to you that you are not saved. Now, I didn't write that. And I don't even know why John stirred up that mess anyway. No, I'm telling you right now that our love levels and our expressions, which are generosities that the world can see and that can be experienced, that these things are defining the body of Christ as being lukewarm, not only towards God, because you can't love your brother whom you have seen, you aren't in one facet, little twinkling of your eye in love with God who you can't see. So now what he's saying to us is this. If you can walk by your brother... See him struggling in a need. If you can hear about his need and you do nothing, wake up, you are dead. Don't you just love coming here? Let me tell you. So our love levels have got to be turned up a notch. You say, but, but they've always got need. Well, Jesus prophesied to you, you'll always have the poor with you. Don't you remember when you were there? I remember. Praise God. So, you want to destroy the power of the love of money dominating yourself. So, you have to be involved, engaged in needs of the church. Let's go to Acts 11, 27 through 30. Wow. Hallelujah. I thank God. Remember I said a couple of weeks ago, judgment is not a fearful thing. It is a wake-up call to let you know God knows right where you're at and he don't want you to stay there. He wants you to move on. So when judgment comes, you say, oh, man, I feel so bad. Get over it. You couldn't feel bad without God being here. Phyllis tried to condemn me, tried to shame me and all that. Take out the trash. You never do not know my word. There's a weed growing on the plate. Don't move me one bit. I tell her, it's probably a lettuce seed, sprout, cut it off, put it in a bowl. The other day she said, there's food on these plates. I said, it's clean food. It's been right, went through that dishwasher, hot water, purified protein, just eat it. You know, she just don't use her imagination. She said, we don't need a dog. I said, if we had a dog, we could save on that dishwasher. He'd lick them all clean. (laughs) Gross. You let your dog lick you right on the lips after licking other things, and you don't think a thing about it. Now you're complaining that I, I should put him to work as dishwashers? There's something wrong with your hygiene uh, list. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God I'm moving right along. See, you get lots of practical money-saving things here. <laughs> Acts 11, chapter, verse 27. And in those days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch, and there stood one up of them named Agabus he signified by the Spirit that there should be a great drought throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man, according to his ability, determined to send relief. What is this? Generosity. Unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, Now, why was he going to do that? Well, so the brothers would have food. In one case, absolutely. But in another case, that they would be armed with generosity in this draw that was going to cover the world. See, the church has got to start responding to people that are in need. Say, well, every time we come to church, we take an offering. Then we take a special offering. Well, I don't know. You want to sow all your pennies and nickels in the casket with you when you go down? No. I want my grandkids to be blessed enough that they never have to work. They just go around the world and preach the gospel. Now, I know what's going to happen the first six months. They're going to stand at my coffin and say, God, thank you that he's gone. Then what they're going to understand is that I stopped payment on those checks before I ever wrote them. And if they don't do what I want them to do, They ain't getting a penny. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. Now let's look at Luke 3.11. Then we'll continue in our series. I'm telling you, generosity is so important. We must not become inactive. We must be engaged. He answered and said unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart To him that hath none, and he that hath meat, let him do likewise. What is that? I'm not cold. I got two coats. (laughs) And I got a whole pile of lunch meat right here. You're hungry, wet, and cold. Too bad. God blessed me. I got enough. Me and my house, me and my four, That's right, and no more. Now, what is Jesus telling you here? If he doesn't have one, you don't make a deal with him. You don't give him a land contract on your coat. You don't barter with him for food. You are a generous creature. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills but he gave them to man. God's generous. God's generous. Generosity. Your generosity will connect you with kingdom purpose. If you look at Philippians 4.10 through 4.19, Paul says, I thank you. That your love, remember, that's what generosity really is, is some form of God love beyond man's need and love for money that is expressed by actions and deeds. And so, Paul said, I thank you that your love for me hath flourished again. What is that? Generosity. Generosity. They didn't have needs. Paul had needs. And they sent to Paul's needs. And he said, because you have been generous, I'll tell you what God's going to do. He's going to meet every one of your needs. Let me use your life as I did Peter's boat, and I'll return it to you, Be involved in life. Be involved in the kingdom of God. But I don't, you don't have to just do what the Bible said. I don't understand, me neither. But you do it. Let's go to Romans 15, 26 through 28. You know, when I started preparing this, I said, man, God, there ain't nothing in the Bible about generosity, is there? Then I said, oh, man. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem it hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles had been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty also is to minister unto them carnal things. Now, who were these people? They were poor people, Christians that were at Jerusalem. You mean there were poor people? Yes, there were poor people. And this other church heard about their condition. And they took up a contribution to send to the church at Jerusalem to care for these people. Generosity. Generosity. Who were these people? They were people from the Macedonia call. They were people whom God led Paul by the Spirit through a dream to go to Macedonia and to put other people on hold. Well, why would God do that? I think God knew that Macedonia held a heart of generosity and that they would do right. These people, 2 Corinthians 8, 1, down through 7, it says that the people were in great poverty, great financial affliction. But they heard of these people right here. And when they looked, they could have said, but I'm poor. That's not what they said. What can I do to show them that I consider them more valuable, a top priority in God's kingdom? What can I do? And out of their great joy of being associated with God, I'm a Christian. I know this is not of God. I know this affliction has come, but I am so happy that the devil has sent me a sign that he's afraid of me. They were just dancing and whirling and, you know, grab anything that flies off and out of my pocket, take it and give it to the poor. And they did. And these people said that it was done by a power that was resident in them, beyond their selves in other words the powers that faith worketh by love faith worketh by love not just love for yourself but love for others you know that would bring us to another point when we see needs when we hear of needs you know, I know that we pray. Well, let's pray for them, honey. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, can you get your car door yourself? in, N-A-N-B. We're getting into our new Bentley. Can you just slide over here? Let's just pray. Oh, God, bless those people in the church. Hallelujah. We thank you, Father, and oh, we praise the Lord. Make them sterile so they don't have no more kids. They'll be blessed and prosperous. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's about as far as our faith is going for somebody else. But what if they were your children? What if it was your child that was losing their home? You think you might stay up and turn the reruns of Johnny Carson off and and pray in the Holy Ghost? Some of you don't even know who Johnny Carson was. He was probably the cleanest nightclub, uh, night, club, night uh, late show talk host, whatever they are. Just take it. My He was a pretty good guy. And, uh, but, you know, we don't think like that. Just don't rock my boat. Let me ask you something. Have you ever seen a show like The Twilight Zone? These were old shows that, you know, did, had movies about things that probably never would happen. So I seen this one just a couple of weeks ago, and you say, don't you get scared of them? <laughs> I'm married to Phil. What would I be afraid of? Come on. Anyway, this, this uh, family build a shelter. Now, they told everybody, build a shelter. You know, we're going to have a nuclear war. You remember those days in the Cold War, you know? And uh, so I dug one in our backyard for it. I dug it out, put a 25-gallon plastic <laughs> barrel down in there and, and a big rock for the top of it. And I figured I'd put her in there a couple weeks, and she made it, that's great. If not, then I'd have to fill the hole. Anyway, this guy goes in there, him and his wife and daughter, they hear the siren. Well, they run down in there, and their friends were at the house. They said they ran to their houses. Then they ran back to this man's house. Jim! Jim, it's Joe. Come on, we've been friends forever. Let me in. Ah, you ain't getting in here, buddy. We got just enough food and water for us. We told you to get ready, but no, you want new golf clubs. Oh, no, you, you wanted to go out to the nice restaurant. Well, guess what? We aren't opening this door. They're beating on that door. Come on, come on. Let us in. No, you aren't getting in. You're going to die. Then they turned on each other. Jim could open the door. They'd all been dead. But they were fighting and threatening each other and all that. And then here's another sign. false alarm. The power just went out. Guess what? Oh, Jim, you know we were just kidding. You weren't just kidding. You wanted something I had. And I didn't have the ability to be generous. A lot of us are in a state because we have not prepared to be generous. Generosity doesn't require just you using money. It requires you joining yourself to kingdom purpose by seed. And harvest. Second Corinthians nine, he gives you seed; you sow that seed on purpose, so that you can be empowered to minister to people. You still got your poor book, poor envelope. Nikki and Randy has a seed envelope. They put it back every week for poor people. They put it back for people that they find would have a need. Now, who does that? Phyllis, don't let you. Re- uh, Sharon, you do that. Why do you do that? Because Nikki taught her. Wouldn't it be nice if we all did that and there was a need in our congregation and that need could be met because of the generosity of multitudes instead of just one? Amen. Yes. Amen. But see, you gotta prepare. And the Bible says that God will multiply it, that you'll have sufficiency in all things. And when the saints receive it to meet their needs, right. they'll give God thanks for your submission to a spirit of generosity. God has enabled us to be lovers of men, not just with human strength. It is by a supernatural fruit called kindness that causes us to do acts of unexpected, unrequired generosity. generosity. I told David the other day, I said, David, I said, my problem is, is that when I see somebody have a need, I want to meet it. And David said, yeah, I know that. That's why I left that sticky note about mine up there on the dashboard, Pastor. No, he didn't. (laughs) He didn't do it. Praise God. So, we as Christians need to be generous. Could I get an amen? We need to be Generous. Let's go to First Timothy 5, 17 and we're going to wrap up. An open hand of generosity enlarges the kingdom of God and causes it to be active. There are multitudes of things that churches cannot do because of the lack of generosity in their congregations. 1 Timothy says this, And let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and doctrine. For the Scripture says, This is how we release the heart of generosity towards those that labor among us. Thou shalt not muzzle the oxen that treadeth out the corn, and the labor is worthy of his reward. And against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. I thought I just read that other. Oh, and them that sin rebuke before that others also may fear. I feel like a, one of the three stooges. Every time I get done, I turn my head back. It hasn't changed. <laughs> now, we are to be generous. I can't tell you How many times people complain to me about how speakers take their offering? Well, I just don't like that. I'm not coming to see him. Well, beg your little offended over nothing heart. Now, I mean that because if you are that easily offended, I see after 20 years why you get offended at me. Because you just want something to complain about. The guy comes in, preaches an hour, an hour and a half, works with you, prays for you and all that, then all you do is complain about an offering. If you don't like the way he does it, don't give. Don't complain. You are not supposed to be a murmurer. Amen? Did I spit on you, Jim? Just smooth it around. there are some dirt spots on the face, <laughs> anyway you. Now, why do people do this? Because they are negative-minded, tainted by the world, and they are ungenerous. We need to be generous. Amen. Absolutely. We need to be generous. With our kids, with our grandkids, we need to be generous. With our husbands, we need to be generous. (laughs) No, everybody hold on to the person next to you. Phyllis, after 51 years, gave me a debit card that gets money put on it once a month up to four ninety-seven. <laughs> so I have, on my own, ate at McDonald's by myself. <laughs> she said, "She said, what's this card out here? The debit card. It's got mine written on it." I said, "Just leave it alone. It's got two cents on it." And I'm not letting go of those two pennies. (laughs) Generosity. Now, folks, I'm just telling you, generosity. Generosity. It is our nature as the sons and daughters of God. Let's rise up. What would God do to people that would lose their life that they might find the Christ like life in this world he'll do anything he'll do anything praise god let's stand to our feet generosity generosity hallelujah hallelujah generosity David, did you bring me something today? I was checking deer cameras the other day. David said, why don't these work? I said, they don't have no batteries. Well, I've got batteries at home. i got a whole bunch of them. I said, oh, okay, I'll take them. So David brought me batteries today. Hallelujah. Hopefully I won't get shocked to death putting them in. Hallelujah. Generosity generosity kindness the value system and the judgment of priority in every believer's life the identity factor that we are God's people that which joins us to God's purpose generosity we will find out how to tap in to the supernatural abundance of that next week oh I'm hallelujah hallelujah let's just lift our hands up to Jesus hallelujah hallelujah Jesus Ashley can I have that song of that name of Jesus hallelujah if you're here today before she starts that song you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior Jesus came to die for you just like he came to die for me and I was just like you as everybody in this building that's not a Christian was They were separated from God. But someday, they heard about Jesus. They heard about his love, his grace. They heard about the power of his blood to wash away your sins, to heal your soul, and to make you a child of God. If you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ, you might think, oh, but there's so many people here. This is not even involving them. This is between you and Jesus. I'm here to join you in a prayer of agreement when you ask Jesus to come into your heart. Now you've known the truth you just have not been written you think that the world has more to offer you than you're willing to give up right now but I'm telling you it doesn't sin is sin no matter how long you live in it's just the same so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. This is the moment that Jesus has waited for. This is a moment that is reaching out and tugging on your heart. You feel it. You know He's here. You know He's waiting for you. You know that He's been dealing with you. And now is your time. So. You're here today while we sing this song. If you would just step out of the aisle, come down, somebody brought you, please, bring them with them, with you, and just meet me right here at the altar while this is being sung. Sung, come. come. From the dead, and he is now alive. Now, Jesus, I declare you Lord of my life. Now, come into my heart, and I receive you now, and I will live for you as you have died for me. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. There you go, young lady. Praise God. Hallelujah. Those people have a book for you about. Being a Christian, hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, whoever that young man came with, make sure that you lead him to the Lord or you get off this parking lot and then you text this church and let us know that he gave his life to Jesus. No matter how fast your feet move, you're not going to get away from what God has for you. So it's time for you just to roll over, cave in, and give it to Jesus. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I praise you, God, for your word that calls us to a depth of active love, God. That, God, we will shine like beacons on hills that cannot be hid that God people will know these are they and let them call us the Christ like ones let them call us those that believe God let our witness be stronger God than our silence and God we ask it in Jesus mighty name amen and amen God bless you. See you Wednesday night.